when I hit the bathroom floor, when I hit the bathroom floor and I'll explain. So I think that I did have self-worth in there, but what I was doing is filling my self-worth through validation and approval. Mm -hmm. So I'm a high achiever. I've got awards, I've got accolades, I've got all the things. And, And that did fill me up, but that only lasts so long. Mm -hmm. right? It's not real. And so after I hit this stage of burnout, where I'm on the bathroom floor, I literally did that call out. Like you said, like every woman you talked to at the conference, I was like, I need help. I need a different way. (laughs) Like this isn't working anymore. And that's where I got the idea for the book because memory, like, so my call out to the universe was Mm -hmm. I need help. And the response or the answer was, and I call it like my instant miracle, but a memory from my past for back in 2013, I uh, resigned from Dell Mm -hmm. and I had to call my VP of sales and resign. I was like really nervous because I thought he was going to knock, like mark me non-rehirable and all that stuff, which was all in my head. It wasn't true, but he (laughs) responded differently and said, you know, I was following my passions and things like that. And he really was like, I'm proud of you. You're following what's important to you. And he says to me, you are the CEO of your own life. Mm -hmm. And like, back in 2013, that like really resonated with me. I'm like, oh man, that's awesome. That's like one of those tidbits you take with you. Right. But now fast forward 2016, I'm on the bathroom floor. And so this memory comes flooding back in. Mm -hmm. You are the CEO of your life. And I was just like, well, if I'm the CEO of my life, why am I crying on the bathroom floor? (laughs) Welcome to the Next Level Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Harrop. I've been in different leadership positions over the last 10 years. And the most fulfilling part of what I do is when I help other women within the workplace get promoted, which is why I started coaching in 2019 and helping women who weren't in the same company as me. If you wanna grow within your current role, be seen as a leader amongst your team and eventually get promoted into a larger role, this podcast is for you. Sometimes along the way, Women realize that the growth might not happen within their current organization and change can be scary. So I also help women in the transition to finding a great fit in a new role with a new company. And many of my clients end up getting a 20K salary raise along with that transition. And that can be you. After all, the world needs more female leaders and I'm here to create them. I focus on confidence, self-awareness, communication, growth mindset, networking, and more. If you're ready to believe in yourself and take that action, you're in the right place. Let's go. Welcome back to another episode of Next Level Leaders. Real quick, I wanted to mention that my career journal is officially launched in Amazon. If you search career journal, you will likely find it on the first page right now. Obviously that could change at some point, but if you aren't sure which one it is, it will say by Nicole Harrop underneath it. It's called career journal for women, helping you to grow your confidence and advance your career, a workbook with a hundred plus unique prompts to help guide you in your career growth. So really search career journal you'll find it on there. It is a white background book with a banner that says my career journal on it. And then there are some light pink flower design on it as well, but I'll also link it in the show notes and it will be available for purchase. 
So go check it out within the next few days, potentially by the time you listen to this podcast, when you click on the link, it will start showing an option to look inside. And that will also show you a preview of the pages. But if you want to have some more information of what exactly this looks like, head over to Instagram at Nicole.Harrop and you will see a preview on there as well. I'll create a highlight bubble of the journal to show you some of the different pages in advance so you know exactly what you're getting out of it, but super worth it and so excited to hear everyone's feedback. It is something I am really excited about. As always, I am so grateful for these different guests that I end up getting to interview. And it's so fun being able to continue to network with such amazing people and even having different agencies reach out with these amazing guests who I might not have otherwise interacted with. And I know each of you are going to adore Becca Powers just as much as I did. Our conversation was so great. I mentioned that even if no one listened to this episode, which I know hundreds and hundreds of you are going to be tuning into this episode within even the next few weeks, but Becca is so great. And I loved our conversation as we stopped the recording and talked about how great our conversation flowed. Honestly, I wouldn't even have had to look at my notes. We could have really talked forever, but it's helpful to stay on track a little bit because we talk about burnout in the beginning and then we go into self-worth and how that can affect your net worth. And honestly, as I reflected throughout our conversation, I thought, yeah, When I recognized my own self-worth and started to own my confidence in the different things that I was doing within the workplace, that is when I stepped into that power and stepped into that space of recognizing that I can do more. I am capable of more. I am worth more and starting to be able to advocate for that and getting others to advocate for me. This episode was jam-packed with such great information, and I know you're going to love it. So let me tell you a little bit about Becca. Author Becca Powers is a multi-six-figure Fortune 500 sales executive in the tech industry by day, women's career and life coach by night, and kundalini yoga teacher by weekend. She is right up my alley with having a bunch of different things going on. I love it. She boasts that she is doing all of this with more freedom and flexibility than she ever had in the past. Becca shares her raw, real, and radical story of overcoming the extreme adversity of being a success-driven woman in corporate America as a working mom of four children while dealing with the real dramas of her personal life. Becca's creative, humorous, and unique spin that you are the CEO of your life offers readers a sense of empowerment to take charge and create a life they love to live by owning it all, the messy and the magical. Becca does mention her book at the end of the podcast, but if you are excited and want to check it out now or while you're listening, the book is called Harness Your Inner CEO, and she already has two more books in the making, so you'll have to stay tuned for those ones. All right, with that, let's jump into today's episode. All right, everyone, I am so excited to be chatting with our guest today, Becca Powers. Becca, thank you so much for being here with me today. 
Yes. Thank you, Nicole, for having me. Super excited. (laughs) Me too. Me too. Well, I always do an introduction of kind of how I met my different guests. And I believe, Becca, you were introduced through someone reaching out with people who come and find our podcast, which I don't always know where they find me, but I'm happy that they do. So someone uh, from your team reached out to say, Mm -hmm. hey, you need to be talking with Becca. Sometimes it takes some time for that back and forth to happen. Sometimes I'm not as quickly responsible. But when I heard about Becca, I was super excited and already felt a connection before uh, we really even had our first conversation. So I was really excited to get introduced to you and to have our first conversation and already have that buzz flowing. And Mm -hmm. because Becca is such a busy woman as well, we didn't actually get to record this podcast until almost what was it a month later? And so I've later, been like, yeah, between both of our schedules. <laughs> yeah. I've been so excited. She had one opening that I tried to book and someone else booked it before me. Cause I of course wasn't quick enough to reply, but I was like, dang it. I need to talk with her. And I'm so excited <laughs> about our topic today. Me too. Awesome. Well, I'd love uh, to let you introduce yourself to our listeners and uh, share anything you'd like personally, professionally about your background. Sure. Thanks. So a little bit uh, about me. I think the um, intro shares the career background really nicely, but I like to say that, you know, in my span of 20 years of being in corporate America, I've learned a lot through both my success and my failures. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things that I think we really clicked on was our, our corporate backgrounds and our leadership for sure. But I think for me, what I'd like to kind of share with the the listeners is that no matter how confident you are and on your path you are, if you're not being mindful about your growth and about how you're approaching things, you're still subject to burnout. And I ended up so burnt out that I ended up on the bathroom floor, as I like to call it, like Mm -hmm. I powered through, had a very stressful job prestigious things like that. And I worked myself into some severe health issues and extreme fatigue. So when Nicole and I first started talking about that, we could relate to a lot of, a lot of things that can lead up to that point. And that's what we want to talk about today is mm-hmm. how can you um, like maybe avoid hitting the bathroom floor? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and I love it because we we often don't recognize how important our self-worth is until we hit that burnout. And oftentimes, yeah, have either a breakdown or like you said, ending up on your bathroom floor. I've heard several stories from women at different conferences where they say that's exactly where they ended up, you know, in, in the bathroom, crying on the floor, uh, just sobbing and asking for help. Why, why is this happening? What's going on? And then recognizing how important our own self-worth is. And so I think those tie in so beautifully. And I love when we were talking initially as well about some of those burnout stories. And I, if you wouldn't mind sharing maybe a a burnout story that someone might relate to. Yeah, sure. So, you know, for burnout, for, for me, I think we, especially, I say, especially as women, because, but men have it too, Mm -hmm. but we are very multifaceted. We are carrying, carrying multiple torches, whether, you know, you're a mom or not. Normally women are caretaking somewhere. We're either taking care of our family, taking care of our kids. There's some aspect of that. You have your job, you have um, your hobbies. We do like things. And so we're pushing ourselves in many, in many different areas. 
And for me, I can just easily put myself back into that situation where I'm a regional sales manager working 12 hours a day. Mm -hmm. I have four kids at home in middle school. I have like my hobbies include yoga and some other things like that. And so I'm trying to also squeeze those in. Mm -hmm. And before I know it, I'm not scheduling any time for myself. Like I am overly scheduled. We were talking about like that overly scheduled. Like I thought I was balanced because I had everything scheduled in. I had my mom time scheduled in. I had all my meetings scheduled in. I had my Mm -hmm. yoga scheduled in, but it didn't give me any room to be human. And before I know it, like burnout was around the corner. Definitely. I, I recognize that too, when I have my meetings back to back to back in a day, and now we're kind of in this virtual world. And in the past, that's similar where I recognized, okay, before I had so many meetings on my calendar, you still had that time to interact and kind of de-stress or, or, or simply have conversations that didn't always have to be so work focused. I see a lot of that in women today that we are hitting that burnout sometimes even a little bit faster because when you're on your zoom meetings and you are having those back to back and feeling like you're constantly on in a sense, when you have your camera on, which I usually recommend, but always having that acknowledgement of taking care of yourself. Sometimes if that means, Hey, I don't need to be as present in this meeting and my boss knows where I'm at. You know, I can turn off my camera. And sometimes that means I hop on my row machine during a meeting, because if that means I have extra meetings in a day and don't have time to work out, I try to get some sort of movement. Maybe that means taking that meeting and going on a walk while I'm listening Uh, again, if I don't need to be as much of an active participant. But for me, when I was earlier on in my career and felt like I had so much to prove, my burnout looked like I had a cubicle in this little office space and there were no windows. They actually, the one outside window that was near our area, they covered up with a shed. I was like outside. I thought, why put a shed? The only place where this team has a window. So we didn't get a whole lot of sunlight and where I was hanging out, uh, me and the other team leaders of that area, we ended up getting a fridge, a little mini fridge in our kind of group space, even though there was a kitchen, not too far, but we were so tied to our desks and thinking that that's what success looked like, right? Is a butt in the chair, sitting at our desks, working away to where I wouldn't even want to get up and go to the bathroom. I would hold, I would hold it until the end of my day or hurry and run to the restroom and then run back. It was not healthy. I was very thin at that time. And I thought, Oh, it's because I'm active or because my metabolism is high. And then in looking back at that, I realized how unhealthy I was, how much I wasn't actually even eating because I did not want to leave my chair because I wanted to be helpful. I wanted to respond to all of the messages. And, and that was definitely not not healthy, not helpful for my own health either. Yeah. And, and just to like bounce off that, there's like two things. My brain's like, yes. But the first one is, is the, you know, you mentioned the health. And so for me, I I was highly over scheduled and over committed. Right. Mm-hmm. But what that looked like for me, from a health perspective, I'm so happy that you um, ended up talking about that a little bit, because that's what burnout ends up doing is affecting our health. 
right? So for me, when I stayed in that state for too long, I ended up with autoimmune disease and two anxiety disorders because I was so high strung and living yeah. in chronic stress all the time. And at the peak of it, my hair started falling out from the stress. Oh my gosh. I know. So I'm glad that you brought that up because I think you know, again, as, as women, one of our biggest strengths are, are like, as a theme would be our resiliency, but mm -hmm. sometimes that ability to power through can harm us because we're, it comes from like that positive mindset of like, you know, I deal with what to talk to women all the time and they're like, I can do it. You know, they go to bed and they're like, tomorrow's going to be a great day. We hype ourselves. We get it. We get it done. Mm -hmm. Then when you do that, like you said, you know, when you sit in that cubicle for too many days, there's a point where it's not healthy. Right? Yes. Yeah. Can we acknowledge that being on the go all the time is not always helpful? And I've recognized that and I'm stepping into that more, but I mean, I've been doing this, I've been in the corporate world for 15 plus years and in leadership positions for the past 10 years and recognizing now how important that work-life harmony is for me and even working with other people who are used to having that butt in the seat kind of mentality or hey I'm going to sit at my desk and even though I have nothing going on I'm going to sit at my desk and try to make myself useful whereas for me my workday looks totally different probably than a lot of people's. And I get a lot of work done in the morning, right before my kids wake up. And as they're kind of getting their breakfast, and then as I start getting them ready for daycare, I hop offline for a little bit and then hop back online. And then again, throughout my day, I want to be with my kids in the afternoon and then I'm getting online back in the evening. So that kind of nine to five does not relate for me. And I like that in the sense that I can kind of hop back on and off when needed. What does that look like for you? So that's a really good question. And for me, I, I have to end my day at five 30, like mm -hmm. that's my thing, but I am very similar in the sense of I am most productive in the morning. So I try to there's two things that I want to say, cause I want to bring in the zoom fatigue again, but the, the first part of like honoring my work process is like, I'm most productive in the mornings too. So I'll get sit down for like two hours. I'll try to handle as much of my administrative stuff or like mm -hmm. the things that are required to get the day going. Cause similarly gear and brand management, and I'm now like sales project management. So mm -hmm. if I don't push the things in the morning, the day can get really stressful, but also I do know that I have a high level of zoom meetings. Mm -hmm. And I think that part of like what you're saying too, is you just need to be aware of your work day and what's important to you. And how do you feel? Like, I don't feel good after four hours of zoom meetings, right. but I have to do them. So if I think like, Hey, I'm going to do all my administrative stuff on the back half of those four hours, they're going to get a right. fatigued. I'm going to put out my fatigued results, you know, mm -hmm. and I don't want to do that. But if I manage my day a little differently how you said like you want to do your work and then spend time with your kids if I put the time in in the morning and then do all my zoom stuff I actually leave feeling pretty like refreshed I'm like okay I'm not behind I'm in front and I'm not no longer carrying that like the, that burnout feeling throughout the day by 5 30 unless like I'm always connected to be honest but mm -hmm. unless there's like a fire I get to finish my day at 5.30 and I'm, I don't have any guilt about it anymore. 
Right. Yeah. That's so nice. And I think the biggest thing is having that awareness of what's helpful for you. And then on the other side, that's big is that communication piece with whoever it is that you're working with or working for. I find that as long as we are sharing, Hey, this is how I operate best. Does that work? Because right. It doesn't always, I've worked in call centers where I lead entry-level team members and it's not always as flexible when you are expected to be answering phone calls or responding to emails, but you know, how can we make that a little bit more flexible to a degree uh, and having that awareness of what projects you want to put first, if that's when you have the most energy or do you get most of your energy towards the, the last of your shift? Cause you're excited to get things done and head home, you know, having that awareness, which we obviously operate very differently in our different phases of life. And that can always change as well. But if we're always trying to be so reactive and go, 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 go before we actually think about, okay, wow, this is not working out for me because likely our bodies stop us potentially from some sort of ailment or something related to our health that physically stops us from continuing. Right. And, you know, just to play off that a little bit, is I love that you brought in the awareness because I think that's the piece, if, especially for this conversation, that if I was to say to listeners, like pick up something, is that awareness? Mm-hmm. Because if you have awareness of where you are in your days and how you want to manage it, it does feel better. You do leave your work sometimes even feeling refreshed, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. and that's the coolest piece. I mean, I spent so many years in burnout and now I can leave my day. Sometimes I'm like psyched. I'm like, damn, I had a good day. you know. Exactly. And that's like really cool to be able to do. But one of the things too, is what you mentioned is like, tell people how you, we work. I'm a morning person. I'm up at five 36 o'clock in the morning. So mm-hmm. I have told like my partners and my teammates and my leadership, like, Hey, if you need me like outside of the out, you know, normal work hours, hit me up in the morning. I don't care if you need extra work for me, like text me at 7am. I don't care. I'll jump on it. But five 30, like that's my time for dinner. That's when I'm spending time with my family. Like, unless there's an emergency, don't call. Right. And so, but sharing that, and that's why I wanted to kind of reinforce what you just said, because I remember in my younger days, even though I was like still in management and I felt uncomfortable sharing those boundaries, I felt like I always had to be on. Mm -hmm. And what I found is when I had the awareness and started sharing how I work best, I started working my best. (laughs) Exactly. Right. That's, it's so important. And it sometimes takes hearing it from someone else to be okay with having that allowing yourself to have that self-awareness. So Mm -hmm. thank you so much for that. Uh, Becca, when do you think you started recognizing the importance of self-worth in your career? When I hit the bathroom floor, when I hit the bathroom floor and I'll explain. So I think that I did have self-worth in there, but what I was doing is filling my self-worth through validation and approval. Mm -hmm. So I'm a high achiever. I've got awards. I've got accolades. I've got all the things. And and that did fill me up, but that only lasts so long, Mm -hmm. right? It's not real. And so after I hit this stage of burnout where I'm on the bathroom floor, I literally did that call out. Like you said, like every woman you talked to at the conference, I was like, I need help. I need a different way. (laughs) Like this isn't working anymore. 
And that's where I got the idea for the book because memory, like, so my call out to the universe was mm-hmm. I need help. And the response or the answer was, and I call it like my instant miracle, but in memory from my past for back in 2013, I resigned from Dell Mm -hmm. and I had to call my VP of sales and resign. I was like really nervous because I thought he was going to knock, like mark me non-rehirable and all that stuff, which was all in my head. It wasn't true, but he (laughs) responded differently and said, you know, I was following my passions and things like that. And he really was like, I'm proud of you. You're following what's important to you. And he says to me, you are the CEO of your own life. Mm -hmm. And like back in 2013, that like really resonated with me. I'm like, oh man, that's awesome. That's like one of those tidbits you take with you. Right. But now fast forward 2016, I'm on the bathroom floor. And so this memory comes flooding back in. Mm-hmm. You are the CEO of your life. And I was just like, well, if I'm the CEO of my life, why am I crying on the bathroom floor? Right. I've got a lot more power in this than I think I do. And so trying that back to self-worth, it was like in that moment, that rush of empowerment, that rush of self-worth came back in. Mm-hmm. And I realized how felt, how far I fell and that I needed to put steps back in place. So I'll pause there, but definitely. Thank you so much for sharing that. And again, it, I can't stress the importance enough of trying to do this proactively because you and me both high achievers, you know, feeling a lot of validation through the work and the output that we have, you know, it's, it's helpful to plan those things in, think of those self-care, what, what fills you up and, and making time for that, really scheduling it out and being proactive because as I continue to reflect on my past self and how I've been when I wasn't planning things out, I wasn't planning out my day. I wasn't planning out my week or my month because I thought I don't need to have all this structure in my life. I don't want to be, you know, such a repetitive being. I want to have some spontaneity, but then I realized there's still a lot of freedom in planning in advance to make sure I'm making that time for myself so that I don't hit those rock bottoms before recognizing, wow, I need to put myself first. Yeah. It's very important. Very important. Mm -hmm. What about self-worth has helped you the most? What about it is that when you, when you are really connected with your self-worth and your self-value, it's my confidence. And once you're in that space of a higher self-confidence, you're not proving yourself as much. It's, it's really about being more in a flow state rather than a push state. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I don't need, I don't need as much external validation anymore Mm -hmm. because I approve of myself. So it's really this like awesome little turn that happens. Yeah. I love that. And what you're saying is owning that confidence in the things that you have done to feel good about that future output that you're going to have. And so when you have that confidence, that's when you start setting those boundaries or when you start having a little bit more of a voice and that certainly takes some time to cultivate and, and learn even how you operate yourself. But I love that. And it's probably going to look different for everyone, but having that reflection and, and understanding, and maybe even asking other people, Hey, 
you know, what do you think some of my good qualities are? If you're not quite sure, sometimes we're so hard on ourselves that we have a hard time complimenting the things that we do well. So uh, that can be helpful as well to ask other people, Hey, what do you think I do? Well, what, what do you like about, you know, a project that I did and, and talking with people you trust so that you can start building your confidence back up. Yeah. And I I love that you just said that too, because that's such an important part. I think that we spend a lot of time asking for um, feedback from people and feedback can sometimes, if it's not prefaced, like you said, it end up opening like, like the wound, like everything Mm -hmm. that's wrong about you. But when you go to someone and I've learned this from my mentors and from, you know, my management, some, some of my management in the past say, you know, what am I doing? Well, you know, because we're naturally going to beat ourselves up. We don't need to really go ask people what we're not doing well, because we probably recited it a million times over, but what we're not giving ourselves permission for sometimes is to feel all the things that we're doing well. And I remember when you talk about putting the self-worth back in place, especially at work after the bathroom floor moment, when I was coming back in, I remember coming across the situation and saying to myself, Like I knew I needed to say, no, I couldn't take on another project. I couldn't do anything, but I really wanted, I wasn't, I still was struggling with giving up that need for approval and validation. I was still somewhere in between. And I remember thinking to myself, instead of like, what are they going to think about me? I was like, what would happen to my Mm self-worth if I stood up for myself instead of what I really needed? Yes. And that moment was a huge shift because I did it. And then I felt it on the inside, mm-hmm. what it felt like. And I was like, wow, that was rad. <laughs> like that felt really good. <laughs> yes. It's, it's so nice. And it takes practice, just like yes. all things in life. You're probably not going to do a great job of it. The first time you start voicing how you really feel and, and in a way, maybe it doesn't come across very well that first time and no, give yourself that grace that it does take time and practice. And then you have people like ourselves who I'm sure you've gotten that feedback as well, that people get really intimidated by you in the beginning. And it's because you start owning that confidence and you start feeling like, yes, I own this space that I am in. I fully take up as much space as needed in this area that I am standing because I'm here and I know that self-worth and that continues to grow and expand as we lean into it. So if someone is listening along and thinks, oh my gosh, I'm never going to be in this position where, you know, I'm the CEO of my own life or that I can start setting boundaries and, and things like that. Start practicing. If that's Mm -hmm. within your own family, within your relationships that you have, start feeling more comfortable speaking how you're feeling in a way that's still coming off. I always say, you know, I say this with love and then I share, you know, a piece of feedback, even if it's a little bit hard to hear so that they know it really is coming from a good place and that I care about them. And that's why I'm either setting this boundary or sharing the the thing that I'm sharing. And I love what you mentioned. I just released an episode uh, about feedback and, and knowing that, yes, we don't always need to ask for feedback in a way of, oh, I could have done this better or, you know, going through that cycle of always trying to get things to be perfect. I'm very much a fan of 
done is better than perfect. The 80-20, when I got introduced to that in my early leadership, I was like, oh my gosh, things don't have to be a hundred percent amazing before they can go out into the world. And one of the things I mentioned on that episode is talking about different brands. If you think about, let's say Coca-Cola, that's one of the first ones that came to mind. If they took all the feedback from all their customers of, oh, you shouldn't use right a polar bear in a lot of their previous ads that they used to do, or you shouldn't do this, or you should change your color, or I would have liked it if this was that way, or if the, if the flavor was slightly different, if they were always making those changes, it wouldn't be the brand that we know it to be just like for yourself. When people sometimes give you feedback, when you don't even care for it, that you have to choose what you're going to implement and what makes sense to help you either be a better person, help you get to that next promotion or whatever that is. And if not, thank you so much for that feedback. And I'm going to put it over here for a rainy day or for never. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I like, love this conversation because it's so authentic and we're just like, you know, just going, <laughs> yeah, just chatting, but it's so true because you mentioned something And it makes me think of like, when you're in this place of asking for feedback, it's because normally you want to grow and you, there's this part of like, that's very sincere. Like, Hey, I want to be a better person. I want to be better at my job. I want to grow. And, and too much self-reflection at some point is harmful and does impact your self-worth. So I just want to kind of tie this back to self-worth because Mm -hmm. if you are like, for me, I'm a huge self-reflector. I'm a, I call a personal help, like self-help junkie. I like Uh throw myself into all the books. I love them. I'm always like, and I like finding out new things and facets about myself. So I'm all in, but what I realized is that I was so willing to take feedback that it was started like dulling my shine. Mm-hmm. And I started just really feeling broken. And I, and there was one specific feedback section session that I had had enough. And I just remember kind of like having another example of my self-worth rising up was this, like, I literally said, I'm like, I'm not this broken. Like, mm-hmm. and I stood up for myself right yeah. there. I said, this is not a Becca problem. This is a business problem and I'm not willing to own it. Can we look at it from a different perspective? And that was a really brave moment. And then, like I said, that was a rad, like I felt my self-worth increase and I was like, oh my God, I protected myself. And for your listeners too, like, if you are one of those people that are going into extra, be mindful, you're not that broken. You're a rock star, you know? Mm -hmm. And if you want to make some adjustments, cool. Like Nicole was saying, like, do it with somebody who's coming at it from love. There's lots of people in business that are just willing to give feedback. And you, you want to get it from someone who does have your best interests in mind. If you are going more for that corrective side. Definitely. And I love what you're saying as well in regards to self-worth and also having that be reflective. Like we talked about, how do we own our self-worth? How do we own that confidence? And then have that reflect also in our net worth. You talked about saying no to certain things. And I want to know how can someone learn to say no to things that aren't in alignment for that future growth that they're looking for? I think that you mentioned a word that I like to use a lot when I, when I'm about ready to talk about this and it's harmony, you said Mm -hmm. work-life harmony instead of work-life balance. And I love that because I'm going to bring us to our bodies and I'm going to take us to the answer, but our bodies are going to first be our barometer of our truth. Mm -hmm. 
right? And so when you're about ready to answer something and you feel a tightness in your shoulder or you feel that lump in your throat, yes. you know, it's probably an indication that your body is saying you shouldn't take this on. Right. Mm -hmm. And so my nose at first, even though I say, like, I started saying, no, they really looked more like, I'm sorry, I, my plate's a little too full. I, I can't take that. So I think that to your point, when you're first starting to put those boundaries in place or first starting to rise up and, and maybe not take feedback, it's not going to be as direct as maybe we're saying it's going to mm -hmm. come off in that. I can't do that right now. Maybe somebody else might be better, or maybe have you asked Susie, she's been really trying to take on additional responsibilities. There's a little bit of deflection yeah. mm -hmm. that happens, but after you do that a couple of times, your self-worth does increase. And what Nicole was just mentioning about net worth. Now I have had, I just had two clients this week, like go from <laughs> like 150,000 to $300,000 job. Mm -hmm. One went from like 200 to 300. Like there's these big big jumps that are happening and mm -hmm. it is truly associated with their self-worth. Like when one of my colleagues, she's like a friend colleague that was read the book and was like, yeah, I'm just going to go for it. Uh -huh. And, but she's like, she was staying in a job that she was unhappy with and she wanted to make sure she had like a year tenure before she went and looked somewhere else. And she was able to say, that's just a story. I, mm -hmm. I don't have to wait. Like my self-worth is like, wanting to be here. And anyway, I say all that because it looks like different things for different people, but it does start by like listening to yourself and your body and starting to lean in the direction of, of your well being, mm -hmm. And as that starts to increase, you're going to, and you're going to attract more money. It just happens. Definitely. I awesome. love all of that. I, my brain is just going because I'm like, Oh yeah. In a previous episode, I've talked about this and that, and I love it. I love how, <laughs> how closely related uh, we are in, in uh -huh. just our sync of, of how we think of everything. So I love that. I knew that this was going to be a great episode to have that vibration. I feel at that mm -hmm. same level and feeling throughout this, so many just full body chills of like, yes, that resonates yes. so hard to me or, uh, feeling that, you know, feeling in my chest, just that like warmth, because when you're into yoga and that meditation, which I, I would love to start making more of a priority for that, because it is so important to be aware of your body, like you're mentioning things that you are volunteering for. And again, in the workplace, men are much more likely to raise their hand on something that they have no idea what they're actually going to do, but they know that they want the credit for it. And they know it can be helpful in their growth and their progression. So they might raise their hand more quickly. Whereas what you're saying is kind of like, does this feel right in my body? You know, asking really sitting there. And even if you're not actually going to close your eyes to have more focus, but thinking, is this something that could be helpful for me? And one small piece of advice I might share with the listener there is having those conversations in advance with your leader, especially for women in the workplace saying, Hey, if there's something coming down the pipeline where you might be asking for a volunteer, it would be helpful maybe for some of the women on the team to get a little bit of a heads up of, of something to think about before we're raising our hands. And I've taught many of my male superiors about how to better work with women, because when you are just assigning things out, or if you're bringing things up on the fly, women may not be as quick to raise their hand because of confidence and 
maybe not knowing, Hey, what's the actual map of what this is going to look like. And, and knowing it's okay if we don't have that because men don't have it either, but having those conversations a little bit in advance so that you can have some of that reflection. Or like you're saying, if your boss says, Hey, are you willing to take this on asking, can I have the next hour to think about it? That's great. And, Mm -hmm. and having that time to reflect because so often we want to say yes. And there's those yes, men or yes, women in the workplace who say yes to everything. And it kind of drives me crazy because I think, what else is on your plate that isn't going to get done or that's going to get postponed. So having that okay with yourself to sit in that for a moment and then making that decision and recognizing what is going to come off of your plate before you can take something else on. And it's super important too. Yeah. When I talk about Mm -hmm. a career journal and, and writing down the things that you do. And I do this in my day job as well. I forget to write down the things that I'm doing in a day to day or a week over week, which I highly recommend having, maybe it's once a month, you start writing all the things you have a brain dump of all the things that you're working on and maybe prioritizing those so that when you're asked to take on new things, you can communicate, Hey, who could I offload these tasks to so that I can do all of this? Because what's happening is We get so much piled onto us because we're told eventually, right, that's going to lead to a promotion. And sometimes it does, but you can still get promoted and have a healthy workload on your plate as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now that is very like sage advice because we do tend to say yes for the sakes of the opportunity and then you know, throw ourselves off, off balance. So that was really great. And then you mentioned something else too, just about how women process versus how men process. And, you know, you've may have said this on one of your past episodes, but women typically will not go for something until they're 90% qualified or more mm-hmm. ladies listening or more men will go for it at 60 or more, mm-hmm. 60% or more, like see that gap. So that's exactly. what Nicole was talking about. Like, you know, it's, um, you know, we need to get a little bit of a heads up so that we can find the courage and tap into our confidence so that we can take on some of these new roles or responsibilities or go for the $300,000 job. Like that's crazy. That's right. You know, <laughs> like it's cool. Thanks. I love it. Yes. So important. And you're right. Men are, are much more willing to, to go into things a little bit more blindly and women, we, we think, oh, they're going to do so great. But you know what, when I talk to men and truly ask, which I would give advice as well, go ask someone that you're really comfortable with how, how they grew into the position that they're in or how they handled a recent project. Did they feel comfortable and confident right from the beginning? Or did they start to grow along the way? Did they have all of the answers right at the beginning? Start having these conversations with your male counterparts and you'll quickly see how they actually aren't as prepared as we might perceive them to be, which is again, bringing our confidence level a little bit down because we think, oh my gosh, they're amazing. They did all these things. We don't see what that struggle is. You know, I I've worked with a past colleague where I saw this, this uh, spreadsheet essentially, or this, this view of a particular program. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I could never do something like this. I'm not even going to attempt it. And then when I said we were talking about something and he mentioned how long it took for this one view 
and it was over 40 hours worth of work for this view. And I thought, holy cow, I thought that you got this done in a matter of hours, not an entire work week worth of work. So that perspective, and that wasn't even me asking, it was brought up in passing that he volunteered that information. So I didn't even ask for it, but if we start asking those questions to men, we trust in the workplace to say, Hey, did you always feel confident being the VP of operations or, you know, the director of sales? Like how, where, where have you felt less confident along the way? I'd love to hear about it so that I can, you know, feel like I can do this as well. Mm -hmm. I love that too. And I, I'm a big proponent for finding a male mentor that you trust. And I know that's a big thing for women is finding one that you trust, but if you do, I've highly recommend it. I, my male mentors have sharpened my skills. I say in the C's like in clarity, concisity, confidence, Mm -hmm. because males are naturally like just even scientifically they're single-minded focus. So they're able to execute with a lot more clarity and confidence because they're seeing something through women. We focus on like five or more things at one time, which adds to like why we not necessarily have confusion, but why things aren't as clear because we have, you know, multiple things going on. So once I started mentoring, I really made sure that I didn't have more than three active, like important projects at a time, Mm -hmm. because I knew once I got, even though I you know, can multitask and handle more. Mm -hmm. I knew what my capacity was. And I did want my, I did want my results to be clear and concise and sharp and all of these things. So those are like some of the things I've learned from my male mentors too. Definitely hundred percent agree. I've had such great male mentors uh, along the way who can be helpful. You know, we can learn from all these different people and having female mentors as well as male mentors and seeing what those differences mm-hmm. are and helping you grow. That's the biggest thing is as long as that's helping you grow in that direction that you want to head yep. in. Yeah. What's something you would recommend to a listener to do if they are struggling with their self-worth? Prioritization of where you are. And I call it the ladder of self-worth. And I know mm-hmm. we, we have, this is maybe something we talk about, but Um, Really, if you're struggling with your self-worth, it's probably where you are in your priority list. And when I was on the bathroom floor, it's the easiest to talk about this from like looking from the ground up. It was very evident that I was at the bottom of my list, right? Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be crying on the bathroom floor if I was at the top. So I created a framework to kind of help myself, you know, go come back up. And I think it's been really helpful for, um, readers of the book and just on podcasts and stuff too, as I talk about the framework. So I call it the ladder of self-worth and at the top Mm -hmm. for a healthy ladder of self-worth, the first rung all the way at the tippy tippy top is supposed to be you. I know Mm -hmm. it's mind blowing, right? (laughs) That's who would have thought. thought. So it's, it's you. And then uh, secondly, I have like the universe, God, whatever your relationship is, Mm -hmm. is because I have that as number two, because at some points I think I've had that above me. But what I've learned is that just like a mom would want to support her children, like I would never want to see my children sacrifice themselves for me. I would want to know what their goals and ambitions are and help support them. So once I was able to put myself up and use the universe slash God, whatever you want to refer to it as to support me, life started flowing Mm -hmm. a lot better. And then so rung number three, right under the universe would be, um, 
your intimate relationships. So it could be your partner, your kids, your parents, but like those first level relationships mm-hmm. need to come at a higher priority than others. That would be good coworkers, friends, things like that would be mm-hmm. fourth. And then at the fifth, and this is like mind blowing for people too, sometimes would be your career and your money and your beliefs, which yes. when we're striving, it feels like that's supposed to be it. But honestly, when you've put yourself, the universe and your families, when those things come first, there's a magic, I, I call it like, it's magical and miraculous. It just things flow so much better and new opportunities to cross your path. It's, it's really quite incredible. So to answer your question, I would recommend if someone's struggling with low self-worth, where are you on the ladder? Mm-hmm. And even if you can't envision yourself being moved to the top right away, you know, it, can you move yourself up a rung or two? Certainly. I love that visual. Thank you so much for sharing that. Well, Becca, it has been amazing chatting with you uh, throughout this past hour. I'd love to have you promote your book. And we talked about before we hit record, she's got some more books uh, coming. So (laughs) I'm so excited. I have one in hand, but I'll let you talk about it and anywhere people can find you. Yes. Thank you. So harness your inner CEO is out. It's on Amazon, but I just started a special today, actually. So if you go to beccapowers.com forward slash harness your inner CEO, I'm doing a buy one, get one signed for the holidays. Yeah. So you can go there and all the information of how to claim that and all that's on the website. And yeah, I hope you, you get a chance to read the book. And that you get to become CEO of your own life. It's so <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. And then my, how to follow me, all my handles are the same across platforms, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. It's at Becca powers, 1313. Perfect. I love it. What a great conversation. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning into another episode of next level leaders. If today's episode resonated with you, please take a quick screenshot, share it to your Instagram and tag me at Nicole.Harrop. I love to see it and it means the world to me. I appreciate you helping to spread the word so I can help more women. See you on next week's episode.